Hey everyone, in this AB Talks with Adult Bior, we get to know her as a human, as a person, her journey, her career, and maybe some angles that you haven't heard before. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey Adult. Hello. <laughs> so we start with my classic. Okay. How are you really doing? This is going to be me throughout the whole interview. <laughs> um, I'm okay. Could be better, but I'm okay. Pushing through it. Pushing through what? Life. <laughs> Just pushing through whatever life is throwing my way right now. So, but I'm thankful. I'm alive. I'm here doing this interview with you, so... Yeah, have a lot to be grateful for, for sure. So whatever life is throwing my way is not greater than my blessings. Hmm. Is that too deep? Yes, if it's your truth, it's your truth. And uh, would you say you're an optimistic person? I try to be as much as possible. I try. And you said life has thrown a lot at you. This Are you trying to convince you that it's not overbearing? We move, we push through it. <laughs> Whatever life wants to throw my way, I always get through it. So. What has it thrown your way this period? Well, these past two weeks, I've been stuck in a country that I'm not very familiar with. Uh, no family, no friends. I've missed out on all the holiday festivals that you're supposed to be spending with your loved ones. And that's been very, very hard for me because it's the first time, first time ever, my 21 years of living, <laughs> that I never thought that I would find myself in this position. But. And your birthday through. too, right? My birthday, Christmas, New Year's, New Year's Eve, all of that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's interesting that when you taste it, the next one, hopefully a normal one with your family and friends, would be would taste as, as, as twice as good as usual. Because then you appreciate it. Mm -hmm. It's a contrast, right? Life is a contrast. If you haven't tried the bad, you don't really appreciate the good. This like, yeah, good is, is the is, usual. This is true. Hmm. It's very true. So I'm looking forward to this year's Christmas. <laughs> Already. <laughs> yep. Yep. How I can was, taste it already. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. How was your childhood? I've had a very, very <laughs> I've had a I can't quite put my word on my my hand on the exact word. It's been it's been a journey. It's been a Roller coaster, up and down, up and down. Um, grew up in a refugee camp. Uh, didn't have a lot. Didn't really know what was going on. There was always war happening. Um, I didn't grow up in my home country. We were forced to, my family was forced to leave South Sudan. Um, born on the way to Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya. It's where I grew up for the first almost eight years of my life before moving to Australia. You know, every day was a different day. 
every there was fun days, scary days, sad days, days you just didn't know if you're gonna make it to tomorrow. And talking about like five, I still have memories from the the age of five, six, seven. Um, it was tough, but you know, we we got through it. We got through it. No. Here I am. Hmm. Moved to Australia, had to leave behind everything that we, the life that we had back there, went to a new country, started a new life and just did everything that we could to create a better life for ourselves, our family. Our mom did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. That was my childhood. <laughs> a lot of moving. My life is definitely a movie for sure. A movie. You know, when I was reading about you, I was thinking you could make a movie someday. I think so. It's a good story, a relatable story to a lot also. Mm -hmm. hmm. Might do it. Yeah. Might not. <laughs> yeah. Um, how is your relationship with your parents? I, I have a single mother. I. We lost our father at a very young age, so it's always just been our mom. She's our mom, our dad. My mom is my best friend. My mom is my best friend, my older sister, my mentor, my just my everything. My mom is the best human being on this planet. Hmm. And I always say this, I am a mini version of my mom. Growing up, I always said I want to be my mom when I grow up. And Feel like a, I'm having mini her. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's a one hell of a strong woman for sure. Yeah, don't know how she does it, but it's inspiring. It's motivating. It's encouraging. It's just, it's just amazing to watch. Hmm. And if I can be, I mean, I like to say that I'm a mini her, but if I can be even half the woman that she is. I'd be happy, be complete. Hmm. Imagine single mom raising six kids on your own. You know, she's done everything for us, everything and anything. She took us to Australia, you know, gave us all an opportunity to make something out of ourselves. And I took that opportunity and made something out of myself. And I can proudly sit here and say that, you know, she's proud of me. Hmm. Yeah. When did you lose your dad? I actually don't have any memory of my father. He died before I was born. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. How does your mom rem remember him? Mm. He was a great man, very highly respected man in our community and everybody's constantly always reminding me what a great man he was and yeah. So you would miss him although you never met him? I feel like he's always with me. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. I don't cry on TV. It's not TV though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah. Do you feel that 
when a woman or a, a daughter grows up without a father, it has a big effect on her? I think that just... Or on you. Let's make it about you. Me, I had a very, very, very strong mom who just fulfilled the role of a father to me. So, you know, I mean, I would love to have a father figure, have my father around, but I mean, we don't have him. Having a strong mom who just does everything definitely helps. And did uh, your mom uh, struggle not having a husband? Absolutely. She was a widow at a very young age and just had to just keep pushing through for her kids, her family, my father's legacy. Hmm. Yeah, hasn't been easy. My mom is, <laughs> keep saying she is, I don't know how she doesn't. Don't know how she doesn't, but. Yeah, I can relate. Yeah. My mom, I believe, is a great woman. Yours is a great woman. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of... All ad- moms are great women, actually. Some more them. than others, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like your mother, uh, I don't know her, but she fell in this um, mix of conditions that you either persevere and fight or you just say, you know what, it's too much for me. I'm not going to pay too much attention to my kids or, yeah. or fight to take them somewhere else. Yeah. So it's always a choice. There's a nice saying that anybody can be uh, a father, but cannot. not everybody's a dad. Or everybody can be a mother, but not necessarily a mom. This is true. You know, you can have kids. Everybody can have kids. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you said that you feel that your dad is still around. Yeah. You truly feel it? I feel his presence. Really? I feel his presence with me every single day. Mm. Yeah. And it'd be Everything I do is just to make my mom and my dad proud. And I know he looks down on me every day. And he's one proud man. You think he's proud of you? Extremely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And I think that keeps me going. Just those are the two most important people in my life. That even though he's not physically here, he's always with me in spirit. And just making my mom and my dad proud. It's my ultimate goal in life. Hmm. How was um, school? Huh, school. <laughs> school, school. So back in the refugee camp, I couldn't go to school. Um, all my cousins were able to go because they had people who supported them financially. My family, not so much. So I, couldn't, I wanted to go to school, but I couldn't go to school for the first like seven years of my life. So I was really, really excited when I was told we're moving to Australia. Their school, that was the thing I was the most excited about, being able mm-hmm. to go to school. So when we went to Australia, remember the very first day we landed and I looked at my mom and I made her three promises, said I'm going to gonna finish school i'm gonna buy you a house i'm gonna buy you a car and started our new life i went to school i loved school i loved going to school being at school wasn't easy because i was bullied just like most of 
most people. You know, where I come from, I never saw any white people or anybody that was not my skin color, you know. So going there um, was a little scary for me, for them. It felt like the other kids were scared of me, or I don't know. So, but I was bullied for my skin tone. I was bullied for my gap. I was bullied for how I dressed. You know, when we first went, we just—I didn't have much clothes where I came from. So, and I loved dressing up. So I would just put on whatever I wanted to wear that day. I wear some weird sneakers with a tutu dress or whatever, you know. And, Kids were like, the girls at school were, oh my God, what are you wearing? And couldn't speak English properly. Couldn't even speak English when I first went to Australia. But I picked up on it very quickly and was made fun of my accent. Just everything, everything. So school was not easy, but I loved having the opportunity to go to school and to learn and to, that was like my escape. School. I, I did not want the weekend to come. Mm. Every Friday, I hated Fridays because I'm like, damn, I can't go to school for the next two days. I really felt like I was just in my own little world at school. I'll try to just block out all the outside noise and school. Just being at school made me happy, actually. It's, it's two things I'm thinking about. One, it's funny how in the developed world, everywhere, the kids want to run away from school. They don't want to go to school. And you're the opposite. And I've so, I saw it when I used to, I, to, I told you before the shoot that I used to uh, work with an organization building primary schools in rural areas mm-hmm. in developing countries. Mm-hmm. And all of them, the kids were overjoyed by a pencil or by a classroom. And although it's, the conditions are terrible, yeah. but I would see how delighted they were. And I'm like, when you compare it to where you're coming from, mm-hmm. We take it for granted, so that's one. But the second thing that I thought about is that you said you're bullied, and even though you're bullied, it's still your favorite thing. Mm-hmm. So it's really your favorite thing, although there are some challenges. Yeah, I mean, just what can you do? Um, this felt like I, like I said, that was like my escape um, place. Um, Bullies. <laughs> but did it really yeah. bother you, the bullying? Like yeah, some people, it I mean, really takes a toll. I mean, yeah. But I learned to grow like tough skin at a really young age. Um, after some time, I'm just like, this is how I was born. This is like, nothing's going to change anytime soon. So, <laughs> you know, just stuff it. And I just started like blocking all of that out. The only thing that did stay with me, my only insecurity that did, I got past the you're too black or you're so black, all of that stuff. I was tall, I was lanky, I was weird, I was shy. Um, but it was it was my gap actually, which is like my favorite thing about myself now. Mm. And I remember up until I was probably 14, that's when I really fell in love with my gap. And I was like, I'm never getting rid of it. Yeah, I mean, it gets to you. Hmm. It does get to you. It does, you know, it does create insecurities. A comment gets to you. A comment can get to you. Imagine so imagine hearing it every single day. Every and you're young. Single day. 
You're not, I mean, you didn't reach the 30 or 25 where you think, okay, I'm seasoned. Right. I'm used to it. Yeah. No, you're young. Yeah. It's not as easy. But I got over it pretty quickly. Did you have friends in school? Yeah. Like some cool people? See, there was this thing about, there was a popular girl that everybody wanted to be friends with. That's in every school. There's always that one girl who just thinks she's everything. She's long, pretty hair and blah, 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 blah. Um, my friends in school were guys, actually. Okay. I got along with guys, I, just in general. In life, I get along yeah. better with guys than females. I just yeah. find girls are just... We're simpler. <laughs> they just... <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Um, so my friends in school were guys. Lunchtime, I would hang out with the boys. There was also some kids from Africa as well, different places in Africa. So I felt like a little bit more accepted or a little bit more welcomed in that group. Mm. Um, so I didn't bother myself too much with the girls. It's just like, okay, whatever. Okay. Now, just throughout primary school, I first went to an English school where we learn English. So I was even being bullied by kids that were not even from Australia. <laughs> okay, so the, everybody joined the, right? the party. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then normal primary school, then up to high school until I finished high school. Mm. Yeah. Um, why did they change your name to Mary? So Mary is my Christian name. Okay. So it's the name I was given when I was baptized. Um, it was in year seven, I believe. Yes, I was like 13 at the time. I think they purposely just did it, but it started to get to me where people wouldn't pronounce my name properly. Hmm. Teachers, students, and... Oh, that's not a complex name. I don't... Yeah. Apparently, for some people, it is. Even Anas, by the way, I thought it always was simple, but when I was in America, they would always say it wrong. Right? Yeah. So, it's just an ongoing thing. And then, you know, there'll be those people that, like, just have their little side giggle about it and whatnot. And I'm just like, you know what? I've got a cooler name. My other name is Mary, so call me Mary from now. <laughs> so, I started going with Mary um, from year seven up to, like, probably yeah, a, mm. a, almost year nine. And then after some time, I was just like, because my mom's name was Mary as well. My mm. mom's name is Mary Ketch and I was little Mary Ketch. So it even started getting confusing because my mom would sign my papers and they would think that I was signing oh, my papers. Yeah. It was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but after some time when I started modeling and um, actually, no, I was Mary up until I was 16. Mm. Yes. I was married up until I was 16, from 13 to 16. Okay. And when I was just about to go um, overseas, I decided I'm just, if, if I go big, if I get anywhere, I want to be known as a dud. I don't want to go as Mary, and then at some point I want to go now as a dud. Mm. It would just be confusing, it would just be a whole unnecessary process or whatever. Mm. So I was like, going back to a dud. Okay. And that's a dud came back from there. and. I'm the only adult in the modeling industry yeah, I'm sure. that I'm aware of. And I think that my name is really, really, really cool. It's really very cool. unique. Very unique. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, you wanted to say something? No. Okay. That was the, stor the story of Mary. <laughs> um, so, would you say that uh, you faced a lot of racism, whether direct or indirect, in your life journey? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, every day, on a daily. Somehow. Until now? One, yeah. 
I mean, in America and Europe and London and Australia, everywhere. Like what? Like a remark? You'd hear it? It's direct or it's indirect? You just know. You just know when you're used to racism, you know. It's sad that you have to be used to racism. Sadly, right? Like it's not something we should be used to. Like it's like you can almost just, I can tell. It could be by the way that somebody's looking at me. It could be whatever they whisper in their language. It could be very direct to your face. You're too black. In America, it's proper. They're not scared. They're really? Not, they're not shy to tell you to your face. Like, and it's just like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this information? I'm too black. Like, go back to your own country. Okay. It's <laughs> heard it all. Heard it all. Does it bother you? I just think it's really sad that now in 2021. <laughs> yeah, imagine with the internet and with people traveling and exactly. knowledge. Exactly, but I just think it's it's just pure ignorance. And yeah, just, ignorance has a direct correlation with the racism. Mm-hmm. Can't even just can't even. What can you do? You're just like okay, have a good day. Like, you're, I'm not going to waste my energy. Yeah, how my do you time. react exactly. to something? Do you stay quiet? Do you Me? Uh, I just, fight? Do you argue? No, I don't fight. I just. If you want to make a stupid comment, I'm going to make you feel stupid too. Mm. <laughs> just like, go back to your own country. Okay, you go back to your own country too. None of us belong here. We all came from somewhere. True. So, exactly. So it's just like. But I usually don't entertain it. Mm. Yeah. But. Things like, in my industry, for instance, discrimination, whatever, on a daily, I will call it out, you know? Yeah, I was, my second follow-up question would have been, have you faced racism in the fashion world? Yeah. 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 So, so much. So often, too. Even but though you made it? I don't think, I don't know if it will ever really stop. You know, I feel like there's people that are really still very behind with hair. And sadly, like, all you can really do is just call it out. Keep calling it out, keep calling it out, keep calling it out. Hopefully people are just going to be more open-minded and willing to actually educate themselves about. I noticed that you write well, like you would write long captions. I do. Um, and I, I wanted to understand, like, okay, she just doesn't only post pictures with, like, a deuce emoji. It's about sometimes she'll explain and she'll give credit to the photographer or whatever. And sometimes you have a long message mm-hmm. of a situation. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's one way of also voicing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You enjoy writing? I do, actually. I love writing. I do. I wanted to be a journalist when okay. I was younger. First, I wanted to be a teacher because my father was a teacher. Nice. And then I wanted to be a journalist. Then I wanted to be a fashion designer. And I ended up being a model. Mm. <laughs> but I have passion for it. I was, yeah. you know. So I definitely love writing. Um, I use it as, as a way to really, I'm not a very, now I'm, you know, I'm getting better. But before I was a very reserved, private, not so expressive person about my personal like mm. feelings i use writing as a 
it's like my therapy. I don't do therapy. I don't yeah. like doing therapy, so I use writing as my escape or just really you rent out. Yeah. Um, I read uh, I read many things yesterday, last mm-hmm. night. Uh, so I like to know your side of the story. One of the things I read was that one of the magazines that interviewed you about refugees mm-hmm. put the another black woman's picture instead of you. Mm-hmm. And I saw your caption about it and whatnot. How did that whole situation make you feel? That was... You read my caption, right? But, um, that was just... <sighs> Until this day, still, I'm just like, really, this really happened? I, you know, it's like one thing to just write a, whatever kind of story you want to write. You know, a lot of people just make things up these days anyways, cause, you know? And then you get a random picture and you think it's somebody else, but it's another thing when you sit there and this is why I hate doing interviews, actually, mm. because I just everybody twists your words up and they they put words in your mouth and what you didn't say just to fit their idea of what the interview interview should be. This one here, I sat for a whole hour with this journalist. I gave her, I think, one of my best interviews ever. I hate doing interviews in general, so I feel like. For me to give you such a personal interview and then for the, I don't blame her so much. She didn't have that much control over it. But the magazine, everybody who was there, to allow that to happen, it was just, it was mind blowing to me. But that was just straight disrespect, insult, just like, do you really, in 2019, you think that every black woman looks the same, you know? Mm. Um, sorry, Rama. It's okay. <laughs> you um, can do whatever. You want to swear, you want to sit, you want to put your feet up, oh, no. be, um, be yourself. Yeah, I just thought that, that, and it happened so often. It happened so often within the industry. Really? And I just, yeah. So it's not it, like a, a one-off. No, it's not a... One time thing has, I'm not the first person it's happened to. It's probably my second time this has happened. Wow. Um, and it happened so often. That's why I was just like, you know what? I'm speaking out about it. You know, it's like they apologized and we're so sorry. You know, one happened wow. and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, still, it's something that I feel like I must speak about. Because it happens so often. And me... I feel like I have a responsibility as someone who, at the time, I didn't even have a big following. I didn't care who was going to see it, who wasn't going to see it. It's just me being vocal about something that I'm, quite frankly, sick and tired of and something that just really needs to change. 2019, like, this is still happening. You're just because we're two black women that you don't even care to do your research. You knew who you were doing the interview with. It wasn't a random interview. You knew. So how do you... How does that happen? And it's not any interview, it's like a sensitive topic. It was very sensitive. Spoke about my family, my background, everything. It wasn't even just random, like, oh, what's your interest? What's your favorite color? Blah, 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 blah. It was a proper personal. And that's why I was hurt about that. It was very personal. It's it's a very, like, they they say that a lot also. You'd hear remarks about Asian people. Oh, they look all the same. How do you tell? 
It's a it's a sad thing, you know. Yeah. It's a very sad racist thing to say to Indeed. completely say everybody from that, even Arabs. I say, oh, all of you look the same. Or you tell, if somebody says, oh, are you Indian? And That's I'll funny. say, no, I'm Arab. Oh, you all look the same. Okay, yeah, we are, we do look similar. Maybe we're brown, but it's we demeaning. Are. Yeah, you have your own identity. Exactly, exactly. And it's just, mm. you know, when I said that, so many you know people in Australia were just like, ah, oh, it's just a mistake. It's just a blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, it's not a mistake. A mistake is something that happened once or twice. But when it's an ongoing thing, at that point, it's not a mistake anymore. You're choosing to keep it going you keep repeating it in hope that nobody's going to speak out about it and people who have tried to speak out about it in the past probably girls who don't have a following girl who didn't girls who didn't have anybody pick up on that and that's why it just keeps happening so that was a real shock to the you know the australian industry because they're quite far behind just the modeling industry and the rest of the world too it's just like it's a wake-up call Hmm. You know, it's just like I don't care what backlash I get for it. I'm not, I'm not scared to speak my mind. <laughs> I really don't care. That's you good. know, and I feel like a lot, a lot of girls have had this happen to them, but they feel like nobody's gonna listen to them. Or if they speak up, the the backlash and this and that, all that fear of, you know, oh, people are not gonna mess with you. I was like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm speaking for what well, I believe. Is- How do you have this? Like, I would assume if you're a minority in an industry, you would be twice as careful, tr- twice as afraid of voicing something. Because you're a minority, you have to be so careful. You're like, oh, well, a few of us made it, mm-hmm. so let's be goody good. Let's let it go. Yeah. Let's not say something. Yeah. So why does Adut have something that says, you know what, fuck it. If I want to talk, I will. If I have something to say, I will. I've always been like that before I was a model. And I always promised myself that no matter what I become in life, I'll always stay true to myself and who I am. And just, I'm a vocal person. I don't feel like I don't, I don't care. If you cancel me, whatever, you never use me again. I don't care. I spoke my truth and that's that. And I'm speaking about something that we need to be speaking about because it's not changing. Hmm. You know, it keeps happening and it keeps happening and we'll talk about it for a moment. It dies down and it goes back. The same thing happens over and over again. So I, I said, if it keeps happening, I'm going to speak. I'm going to keep speaking about it. Yeah. And I just, I really just don't care. I feel like that is my human right that nobody can take away from me. I mean, I'm for, I know some people don't have freedom of speech and I'm very fortunate enough to have that. And if I have that, I'm going to use it. You know, I'll use it for those people who can't. Hmm. So. Um, who was it? Megan Marco? Mm-hmm. She mentioned that uh, she identified you as a force for change in the world. What did you think of that? That was crazy. Yeah. That was insane to me. I mean, <sighs> women, so many women are a force for change. And to be one of the 15 women I've, you know, like, I think in that, when that happened, I had like a little reality check where I was just like, okay, it's not just people who are interested in fashion that are looking at me. It's people who have nothing to do with fashion. You know, 
It's bigger than just fashion. It's bigger than just fashion at this point. You know, I'm really, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something that's got somebody's attention for someone in her position, someone as herself to somehow find me, read about my story and to choose me and call me and tell me the reason why she chose me is because she finds me and my story inspiring. Mm. That just, it's just like now I just got to keep telling my story. You know, it fortifies it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing something right. Absolutely, I'm, um, I'm definitely doing something. Something I'm doing it right. And since then, I've just been nonstop. So you agree with her? You do think you're a force for change? I think so. Hmm. I definitely think so. I don't like to talk about myself. Like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, Today's about you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. At some point, I had to actually just. Say okay, it's 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 okay to actually Absolutely. say I'm a role model. It's Absolutely. okay to say I'm a force for change. It's okay to. I always you know? say own it. If somebody thinks it's you showing off, you're fortunate. To, you're I fortunate to. to be heard. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're good looking and somebody says you're good looking, say thank you. Don't say no. It's okay. It's only your beautiful eyes. Mm-hmm. You see things differently. No, no. If you know you're good looking, say I'm blessed to be good looking. If you have a great mind, say I'm blessed to have a great mind. Why not? You want to be proud of it, flaunt it, enjoy it, you're blessed. Then the societies, be humble, always be humble. What's humble, you see, this is the thing. Uh, If I think I'm better than a waiter or a cab driver or a helper, Mm -hmm. that's wrong of me. Who am I to think I'm better than another fellow human being? Mm -hmm. This is not being humble. But if you say I'm a talented guitarist, but I treat everybody the same. You're still humble and you are confident. Don't mix confidence. That's what society tends to do. Yeah, with arrogance. Every time people, just be humble, just always be humble. Just like, if I don't want to be humble at this point, I don't need to, but I'm just, in general, I don't think that I'm better than anybody. So I'll never ever come across as I'm not humble. But Mm. it's okay to, like you said, to own, to own it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you told me the other day at lunch, you said you did 37 shows in 30 days. So yes. my question now, I was thinking about it yesterday, last night. And I'm like, there has to be a drive. No normal person would do 37 shows in 30 days. Some people do up to 40. Why? <laughs> this is my question. What's driving you? For me personally, why? What's the the point? My very first season. um, So I started on an exclusive contract and I did three seasons on that exclusive contract. So I only did one show for Saint Laurent. That was the only brand I worked for for a year and a half. After that, I think there was a build up of like everybody wanting to use me. There was a buzz around me anyway. So when I got off that contract, it was just from there. I did 35 shows. It was the hardest thing. Oh, 35 and 30. 35, yeah. Okay. 35. It was the hardest thing. But I think it was just the passion, the passion that I have for it. I'm like, I'm here and now. Just got to do it. Got to push through it. And slept. I, a lot of people don't believe it, but probably no more than 10 hours in the whole month, four cities, 
at the time I was what 17 mm. yeah 17 <laughs> it was it's really just a passion for me because you know it's not an easy thing for anybody to do mm. it's not easy on your body it's not easy on your mind it's not easy on anything Yes, not in I was thinking, I have goals that I've set for myself, personal goals, goals within my modeling career. And I just had to think about that. Like, I'm here now. I feel like I'm in the door. So now is what am I going to do with it? Mm. You know, so I pushed through the shows, the campaigns came, I kept pushing through it. The big editorials came the vogue covers came the money started coming and i was able to achieve personal goals that i set for myself like buy my mama car buy my mama house so that's the driver that's it my family mm. taking care of my family being able to tell my mom you can stop working i had to beg my mom to stop working because she just always worked her entire life since the day she became a widow to now, well, not now, but I had to at some point just say, Mom, it's time for you to take a rest. It's time for you to, I got this now. That's nice. Yeah, so it's really just my family, my goals, and just my, I'm a determined person. If I say I'm going to do something, mm. I have to do it. You, you promised her at what age? Seven, eight. Interesting. The three promises. Yep. Mm. And at 21, I can. I just turned 21 too. Mm. At 18, I bought my mom her dream car. 19, I bought her house. And that's probably my proudest achievement. Nice. Because just seeing my mom happy, seeing my mom smile, seeing my siblings happy. It keeps me going every day, honestly. And I just have those days where I'm just like, no, I give up, can't do it today. I just have to think about my younger siblings, my mom, mm. my family. And I get up, go to work, I do what I have to do, and I go back home and I deal with whatever I'm dealing with. You know why I do it? Because your, your drive is bigger than you. It's not about you. And when people fight for something that's bigger than them, it's much more, it's, it's noble, mm -hmm. it's grand. It's not selfish anymore. Mm -hmm. It's selfless. It's not about you, it's about mama, it's about my sister, it's about... And then when that happens, it's about the people, it's about me fighting for the other black models and, you know, and all of that. When it's bigger than you, that's when you wake up mm -hmm. and you do more. Mm -hmm. um, the braids. The braids. The beautiful braids. Thanks. You made Thank you. a point about it in the industry. Mm -hmm. Because I would, uh, from what I understood, mm. is that they would pressure, let's say, a, a, a black woman to not have braids because it's not common, a common image or a, a usual not, image. It's not your real hair. It's not, you know. But who are you to tell me that my braids that are part of my culture, that... That's not my real hair. It's not your decision. It's not your call to make. And you don't get, to, oh, that's not your real hair. So take it out because we want your real hair. That I came to a point where I was just like, 
it's not your decision to make. You're not going to tell a Caucasian girl to cut her hair off because... So why would you tell me to take my braids out that I, are a part of my identity? That was the biggest point that I'm determined to make. I feel like I'm, I'm making it. And it's like, take me as I am or don't take me, you know? Mm. But we're in an industry where, as black women, we face struggles in so many areas, in makeup, in hair. You don't have hairstylists that know how to work with Afro hair. So you don't have make, you have makeup artists who can't even match our skin tone. So not only is your makeup looking horrible, now your hair is looking bad too because there's people who just don't know how to pat your hair properly into a nice, neat afro. And then you want to tell me, oh, keep your hair like that when you can't get someone to do my hair properly. No, I'm going to get my hair done the way I like it, the way I think it looks good. Because when we look at that picture at the end of the runway, it's... It's not the makeup artist who's going to get the, you know, oh, that you did a terrible job. It's you look terrible. Your makeup is ashy. Your hair is not neat. It's my image. That's me. So it's like if you can't provide that for me in 2020, we still have this issue, then I'm going to provide it for myself and accept it or not. Braids are a part of my culture. They're a part of my identity. Because I wasn't, I was told for so long, oh, it doesn't look good, and da, 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 it doesn't go with this. Or... Now I'm just like, make it work. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Can't force it, right? But it's been working. Yeah, obviously. So, you and know? you're not only representing Adut, mm-hmm. you're representing a lot of women. Exactly. When you make a stand a like that. Yeah. Or when you're on a catwalk. I, I know deep down, it's, it's, I guess you can say it's an insecurity for because we we have the same hairstyle and everything in our shoots and our campaigns and the shows, but you know other girls come to a shoot and they have up to five different hairstyles with their natural hair or they will add extensions to their hair, but we have the same haircut in everything that we do, and you can't even hire black creatives that can come in and be able to do something. There is a few that I get to work with and I can have my natural hair because I, I feel confident that they're going to do something with my hair, mm. you know. But majority of the time, you no, know, it's just the same look every time. And I was just like, no. And I know that it's, a, it's an insecurity for some of us, you know. It's like, me, I would feel bad sometimes when I go to a shoot and I'm shooting with other girls and they're sitting next to me in the hair chair and they're getting their hair done for like an hour and they're getting a crazy makeup look and then I just get the simple makeup look because uh, it's natural, it's beautiful. And it's like, it's not that I don't think I'm beautiful, but I'm in a job where it's all about creativity. Like you're giving somebody else crazy ass look, makeup wise, hair wise. And I just get the bare minimum makeup, the bare minimum hairstyle. That makes me feel bad. That makes me feel like a bit excluded, Mm. you know? And that's why I'm like, you know, stepping my foot down and that's that. Take it or leave. Um, You said Mm -hmm. 
No, I don't know the exact words. I know the idea. <laughs> that no matter how successful you would be, mm-hmm. you would always be a refugee, refugee. And you're proud of that. Absolutely. How did you build this comfort in your story and in who you are? Just when you accept yourself and everything about yourself, who can tell you otherwise? I accepted my story, my journey. I'm a refugee. I'm a refugee. nothing that, even though the world tries to make us feel ashamed about it and you know, there's a, for instance, growing up in Australia, there's a lot of refugees, but there's a lot of people who don't own up to that because we're told that refugees are this and they're that and we're not good people, we're not ordinary people, we're not like people born in the Western world and we can't, we're not capable of making anything out of ourselves, but a lot of us have proven that, you know, and I'm one of the few people and I'm like, if I can be where I am, you know, as a literal refugee. Why would I be ashamed of saying that? Why should I be ashamed? And I always think about my siblings. Even though my siblings are born in Australia, the younger ones, at the end of the day, they come from a refugee background. You know, they didn't have the whole refugee experience, but your family came from that. So therefore it's, you know, and I want them to be proud of that. I want them to be able to be like, well, my family are refugees, so therefore, I guess I'm a refugee too. And I'm proud of it, you know? Mm. We're just like everybody else. We're just like anybody else, born in America, Germany, Australia, wherever. We, as long as we're given the same opportunity as those people, we can make anything out of ourselves. And I'm a prime example of that. And you probably have, if you are given the same opportunity as somebody who had a, let's say, safe or secure mm-hmm. uh, story, you would probably fight for it twice as hard. Mm-hmm. So you'd have a much higher success rate if given the chance. Yeah. You see? Exactly. And I always say, you didn't, we don't choose our color. We don't choose where we're born. Don't we don't anything. choose to be refugees or tall or short. Or and This is what I tell people. And this is the reason why I'm... I work with UNHCR and my thing is to just get the message across to people that refugees are just like everybody else. And we don't wake up one day and be like, I'm going to be a refugee today. And it doesn't work like that. We're just, it's just the unfortunate circumstance. Exactly. Mm. You know, and if you're fortunate enough to get out of that circumstance and you have more opportunities to really create a better life for yourself and Mm. really just do the best for yourself and for your people, for your family, for your kids, for your siblings, you know? But nobody wakes up and be like, I'm a refugee. And it's such a stupid concept, like, oh, you know, which is, I just hate how refugees are looked at, you know, by the rest of the Western world, to be exact. Yeah, my thing is just, we're here, we're here to stay. (laughs) And as long as we can go to school, as long as we can get jobs, we're not going anywhere. Accept us or don't, it's your business, but Hmm. we're here and we're just like you. So much attitude, I love it. 
I love the you character. Have to. <laughs> um, what does love mean to you? Love? Hmm. What does love mean to me? Oof, putting me on the spot. <laughs> what does love mean to me? I feel love when I'm with the people that I feel like I can be myself 100%. I feel love when I feel accepted. I feel love when I don't feel judged. I feel love when... Just in a space where I'm allowed to just be a free spirit. And I feel like you can only get that around people who love you people that you love hmm. and i think that's my definition of love it's a nice one thank you um i read that a special person passed away when you were in kenya mm -hmm. that affected and impacted you and your mother a lot mm -hmm. who was that person that was my uncle your that, uncle yes that was my mom's younger brother and he was like my best friend like my big brother because you can say like a father figure um just always just took care of me and he was very 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 special to me so when he passed away it took a huge toll on me um and from that point, I think I just became immune to death. It's just like... Immune was, to death. There was no death that, after that one, that affected me as much up until when I lost my cousin recently in beginning of 2019. That was the first time I felt something again from someone dying. But yeah, losing my uncle was was tough. How old were you? I think I was six or seven, seven. So you felt it gravely back then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like my best friend, you know. And, and he's just, young, younger than your mom. Yeah, yeah, so. How did he pass, if I can ask? He was sick. Mm. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, Back then, it's like you can have such a, well, you can have a pretty serious sickness, but no one would ever really know. Like, there was no way of telling, you know, you just go to the hospital one day and that's your last day. Hmm. Kind of one of those stories. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it I made you, again. made you numb? Yeah. Towards yeah. death? Very numb towards wow. death until. Your cousin. Yeah. And cousin means the young also. Yeah, she was my age. Wow. My age, we kind of grew up together, went to school together, you know, I had spoken to her two days before she died. And just the way that she died, I just, I mean, there's no good way of dying. But, yeah. How did well. she pass? Uh, she died in a car accident. And just, yeah, it's just a very 
Sad. Death Ray Leo's like, I really know. It's still hard for me until this day. But that really screwed me up. Put me in a really dark place. And still fight it until today. You know, it's just we're the same age. It just makes me think like, could have been me, you know. But she was such a she was a good person, good heart. Had so much potential, so much to live for, and I just feel like it was unfair. She was, you know. Now you're making me cry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough. It sounds tough, Adut. Yeah. And you lost a lot of young people in your life, which is, I think, way harder than losing elderly. Elderly, because we, you, people will tell you you're never prepared, but I do think you're a bit more prepared when they're older. But uh, when somebody's young, and especially we call it sudden death, like you would wake up and you would be like, what? And I think it takes such a long time I, to accept. My little sisters called me and told me, and I was like, you guys are lying. They sent me an article. It's my cousin. She's the sister. My, her older brother is a soccer player, a well-known soccer player from Australia. Um, so obviously he was known and it was just it was just really messed up um they sent me the article i was shooting a chanel campaign it was around 12 midnight and i just just had to leave the shoot because i didn't want to believe it and i didn't believe it until i got to new york you know, to see the articles and this, this and that, and my heart broke for her mom. She went to Africa to visit family. And you see from Facebook, or you get a call that your child that you were just leaving for a few weeks has been killed in a car accident. So. I feel like, yeah. I, yeah, that really, really screwed me up. And I really didn't think that I was going to come out of that space. But when I did, just kind of reminded myself just I'm strong, and that's why I say whatever life throws on me, I can, I'll always fight it, I'll always get through it. Yeah, just. <laughs> you said it made you feel like what? It made me feel a lot of things, but in the end,
she also became one person that I wanted to make proud, and I'm always thinking of that, making them proud. And she really, I feel like she's, she strengthened me somehow. That same year I got a tattoo that said she found strength after I got out of my dark place. And I got a courage and I got faith because I really, I lost faith. I didn't have any courage. I didn't think I was strong enough to get through that and every other thing that I was dealing with. And when I did, I knew there was faith. Always have faith. Not every bad moment or experience lasts forever. And, you know, life goes on. To continue living for those who are not living anymore. Like, I'm living for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You've been depressed? Mm hmm. Dark? Yeah. 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 The last... For quite some time I didn't... And I think that... Obviously there's a lot to do with... My past, my childhood, all of that stuff. At some point it all just catches up with you and you know when you're I feel like I've had this since I was probably 14 and didn't know what it was didn't know what made me feel this sad what would make me feel so anxious but I would always try and fight it and I fought it and I fought it and I fought it until I was 18 and when I knew of this thing called depression and anxiety. I, mean, I knew of it before, but I was like, I can't have it. I don't know why I thought I couldn't have it, but <laughs> no, it all just, I guess, made sense to me at that point, and I accepted it. It's, I have it. It's, a lot of people have it. Um, but I worked on not allowing it to control me, control how, do you how do I that? live my life. How do you get out of that tunnel for you? For me, I would always just think of, I've got people to make, I have to get out. I can, I would, would wake up, have my crying session in the morning, you know, but then I have to go to work. I have to go to work and also I, the year of 2018, I worked so much to distract myself from, I was running away from my, you know, facing my problems, feeling sad, being, crying every time. And so I just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and I overworked myself. And that eventually caught up with me too. I became unwell physically. Um, and then at that point, when I had a doctor tell me, if you don't start taking care of yourself, start, you know, treating your body right, you'll die. 
And that was a reality check for me. And I was just wow. like. Wow. That is a reality check. <laughs> you'll like, die? You'll die. I mean, you keep neglecting your body and you keep, you know. So at that point, I was just like, okay, I have depression. I have anxiety. I'm not going to overwork myself to run away from this. I'm going to face it. I'm going to deal with it somehow. I'm going to continue living my life. And I guess that's what I did. I mean, still have it. It's probably never going to leave me. It's not something that goes away ever once you have it. But when you figure out how to live with it, when you make that decision like, okay, I have it, but it's not my life. It's not, you know, just have to put it to the side sometimes and just mm. keep going. So I'd get up, I'd go to work, be at work for however long, come back, deal with it. It's the same thing the next day. And it gets better? When you accept it, eventually, mm. eventually it does. But tell myself every day, you know, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. I know there's somebody out there feeling what I'm feeling. And when you know, as as bad as it is, when you know that somebody else is going through it. I've it, spoken about this. It makes you feel better. It does. Of course. It does. We're human. We need to feel that you're not we alone. relate or we're mm-hmm. not alone. Yeah. And that's what I always say when people say, what is, what is one of the main things about this show? I'm like, it's not about me or the guest. It's bigger. And it's about a girl who's watching you now or a guy who feels she's like me. I'm feeling this. She's okay now. I could be okay. Mm-hmm. I should be hopeful. Mm-hmm. That's the power. It's not about me and you. Um, are you depressed now? Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am. I've been for the past couple of weeks. Um, I think when just things that you've been running away from catch on to you, just find yourself in this depressed place or whatever you want to call it. I think 2020 was a tough year for everyone. Hmm. And, you know, as many people, we pushed through it, we pushed through it. But for me, about a month ago, it all caught up with me. <laughs> Everything that happened in that year, so much happened personally, on the outside, everything, and yeah, I mean, so many other things, you know, I feel I'm not able to be with the people that I want to be around, the people that I need to be around, my family, my friends, my loved ones, you know, so that's part of my depression, mm. but I always remind myself every day that I am blessed. I have been given another day. And what more can you ask for? And I always remind myself there's people 
in worship positions that I am in. I'm in Dubai. I'm in a hotel. I'm not in the streets in the cold with nothing to eat, you know? I'm not able to see the people I want to see, but I'm in a better position than others. See them soon. Hmm. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, I'll give you a nice one. Okay. What does bukhur, oh. cumin, garlic, mm. and coriander represent to you? <laughs> um, home. Home. Those four things just remind me of home. My mom, family time. There's no meal that my mom could cook without cumin <laughs> or garlic. Bakhur is just, <laughs> it's so strong for me. <laughs> but it's just home, honestly. There's no other way to put it. Mm. It represents home. Just <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Home is a good feeling. Home is a great feeling. Especially for somebody who moved too much. Exactly. And I had to learn that. I had to learn or understand that home is not a place. It took me a while because I left home. At, I moved to New York at 17. And that was a life that I'd been living at home with my mom. I never thought at 17 I was going to be out of my mom's house. Mm. My siblings had just finished school, left everything behind. And when I got to New York, I had a very, 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 very hard time until I had to understand that home is not a place and it's a feeling and you can make a home anywhere. Now, anywhere I go can be my home. I can make it my home. As long as I have the right people around and yeah. the right energy, the right spirit, that's really it. So uh, true. My homes for the past three years, four years has been hotels, <laughs> airports. Yeah. You know? But um, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Mm. Oof, okay. I am afraid of I'll start with the little ones I'm afraid of snakes I'm afraid of flights flying yeah which was when I knew that it was crazy mm -hmm. considering, considering how much I you fly live in a plane yeah that's one of my biggest fears but I think for me the biggest of them all has to be hearing or receiving the news that I have lost a loved one. And I think that's a fear for it's a lot of people. It's very scary, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of guests. I'm afraid of death. You know, they say it shouldn't be. I don't think it's not possible for, for a human being not to be afraid of the end because that's why we strive and achieve. Otherwise, if you didn't have a deadline, you wouldn't be fighting so much and trying to achieve and you know do things so but yeah for loved ones it's worse because you you get to stay and you lose them mm. and you just say 
if I could choose, it would be me and let them stay and keep going. But then they'll suffer. I know. It's no it's winning. Tough. No. It's no winning. No. In this life, there's no winning. <laughs> just push through it. But. You just have to live a good life, man. You just have to get good, do the best we can. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we have a decent legacy to leave. Mm-hmm. Maybe some YouTube videos. Something. Yeah, um, a lot of those. <laughs> what do you like about Adut? What do I like about Adut? Mm. What do I like about Adut? Um, so recently, what I love the most about Adut is how selfless she is. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what do you find? Ah, finish. Sorry. Adut. As long as everyone around me is okay, Adut will always be okay. Mm. Adut is someone who every day no promise, I guess just is true to herself. Adut is someone who is and what I love about her she's not afraid to speak her mind mm. what's on her mind her heart she will say it what is annoying about a dude what's annoying about a dude what do you find frustrating or annoying <sighs> sometimes honestly that I care too much mm. that I care too much yeah certain things you just should not care about or after you've cared so much, you should just be like, okay, but I just keep going. I keep going. I keep going. And I'm like, why am I like this? Why is my heart like this? And that. Okay. Best moment in your life so far? Best moment in my life. I have so many. You mentioned one earlier. I have so many. Which one stands? One of your best moments that stands one. up. Yeah. Okay. One of my best moments in life was, had to be seeing a picture of my mom in front of her house that I got her. I wasn't even in the country. I was, I wanna say I was in Italy. I don't know, I could have been anywhere. And I got a picture. Hmm. My mom smiling so big in front of her big, beautiful house. Nice. Yeah. And the worst moment in your life so far? If I can combine all the times that I have lost somebody special, that's the worst Mm. moments in my life. Another worst moment was when that happens and I almost lose myself and yeah 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 any regrets any regrets <laughs> um It's like them little regrets, like, oh, I shouldn't have got this dress, or I should. But if we're talking about real life regrets, I would say 
I don't have any. I don't have any because I feel like every decision I've made in my life has been beneficial to me somehow. It's either taught me something, it's got me something, it's, t I don't know, I feel like every decision, every mistake I've made, I've learned from it, I've grown from it. It's life's so mistakes and experiences that really just make you. Make you. Yeah. Make you story. become who you are. Yeah. So I don't, I wouldn't say I have any regrets in life, any major, like big, like, oh, I shouldn't okay. have moved to this country or I shouldn't have moved to New York. I moved to New York. I made that decision to move to New York. Yeah. It was a hard decision, but look, I went there to pursue my, my dream and my career and... See, all the decisions made you come and sit here and then you're going to move on and do other things and exactly. to build up. I pray to never have any regrets in this lifetime. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know your little sisters mean a lot to you. Everything. They mean everything to me. Okay, so everybody has access to YouTube. Right. Let's say they're patient enough to watch me and you talk for this long. Right. What would you tell those sisters? Mm -hmm that hopefully they'll watch it maybe this part at least once or twice or ten times whether we're here or we're gone what is the message that you want that is so important to tell your sisters something to tell them to make them watch this no. or just something that you think is important for you to know We're gonna cut this, right? We're not gonna wait this long. We're not gonna have this long pause. Well, you, I don't mind the pauses at all. Um, for me, I feel it is so important for my younger sisters to It's there, it's just not coming out. Take um, your time. <laughs> so many things in my okay, head. Okay, I'll help you. Thank you. Let's say me and you are long gone. All right. Or we're here, or we're distant, or there. Uh, let's talk about your sisters. Their names? I have a qual. Yeah, I like you. Beautiful a, names, huh? Thank you. Yeah, and okay. A, and then I have one younger brother. His name's Buell. Okay. And then I have two older sisters. Okay. Mm -hmm. So especially for the younger ones. Yeah. If they are in a rut, in a difficult situation, mm -hmm. or they need you, or they want to hear you say a few words, mm -hmm. and they need to go to this specific minute and, and click, what do you want them to hear from you? You got this. <laughs> you got this. Um, I think for me, it's, it would be the part where I say, you know, whatever life throws your way, 
you're gonna overcome it if even if it feels like you can't you'll always overcome it and it's gonna strengthen you <laughs> mm. I think that's the most important thing mm. for me that I would want my letters just don't give up on this thing called life it's so precious it's hard it's a roller coaster every day but mm. what does marry a catch mean to you marry a catch is my world marry a catch is everything to me she is she represents everything to me from role model inspiration a source of inspiration motivation encouragement support my biggest support system um she's a superwoman she represents strength and I can sit here and talk about Mary Akento all day long, but that's, that's my world, you know. That's my world. That's the reason why I look forward to tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. If your dad can hear you. Which he can. Yeah, I'd like to always believe mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? I have conversations with my dad. You do? I do. Yeah. Especially when I'm like having a, sh- a shit day. I feel sad or I feel anxious about something. I feel like I don't want to talk to anyone or I talk to my dad. So we have conversations about random stuff. But Every day I just want to ask my dad, are you proud of me? Are you proud of me? Are you proud of me? Am I making you proud? Am I? You know. That's what I would ask him. Do you think he is? Mm-hmm. You miss him? Mm-hmm. I miss him. He tells me he's proud of me. Hmm. <laughs> Other people are going to sit here and think, oh, she's crazy. I don't. It doesn't matter what I think or anybody thinks. Just are true. you happy with this? I'm happy with this. That's all that matters. Exactly. Um, hypothetical question. If we take a dude's heart and we place it here in front of you, mm. what would it tell you? <laughs> what would my heart tell you? I don't know. Help me. What do you think? You, only your heart knows. I, I can't take you there. <laughs> what do you think your heart, with all the shit and the beautiful things and the tough things and the achievements and the traveling and the loss and the depression and the beautiful love and all of this, all of this that your heart is going through, if you, we place it in front of you, what would it tell you? Same thing I always say, you got this, 
You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> just, I think that's what my heart would be saying. You know, you've you've overcome a lot, mm. and you always overcome a lot. Yeah. You keep going. Keep going for sure. Okay, Don't left. give up. Don't give up now. It's not the time to. Because if you was to give up, you would have given up a long time ago. Mm. So why now? Yeah. I know. Still so much to do, live for and achieve and, you know. So what would you want people to remember Adut for? Just... I think... Well, I would want to be remembered for a lot of good things. I start there. But I think I'd want to be remembered as someone who just wasn't afraid of life. Hmm. I like that. Wasn't afraid of life. As scary as it is, hmm. you can't, you can't be. Life excites me. You know? Yeah. Because um, you never know what tomorrow is going to be. It's like a, a wondering or a guessing or just a We assume. need to make your story a movie someday. For sure. It'll be pretty cool. For sure. I reckon we could get a Golden Globe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Why not? Put your mind to it. Anything's possible. Absolutely. I always say why not. Exactly. Last one. Hit me. A dude in one word. A dirt in one word. That's hard. That's really hard. A dirt in one word. <sighs> what would you describe a dirt in one word? Who am I to speak for a dirt? <laughs> Which word you feel represents you today in your life today with this journey? Can it be two words? Mm. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Strength. And hope. Strength and hope. And which one is strength? Strength. You know, if I would have thrown a word at you, mm. bold. True. I feel you have a very interesting kind of boldness. It doesn't mean you're not sensitive. It doesn't mean you're not emotional. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. Who said you have to be a bold equals fearlessness? No, you're afraid, but you still do it. You want the money for this campaign, but you still say no because it goes against your value. You see, this is boldness. So, yeah. I, I changed my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. I didn't cry. No, you held yourself. I did. I don't think it's... Uh...